In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash. And I'm Mike Bobbitt, and this is Ideal Remake. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Ideal Remake. You are listening to an episode where we can assure you this is technically a movie. That's right, we are watching Buckaroo Banzai and the aliens from the 8th dimension. That's not what it's called. (laughs) What is it called? It's called The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the 8th Dimension. Well... The important We're thing is... We're hanging out with my buddies. <laughs> Sam, I'm cutting you off. I'm not going to let you come out of the gate shitting on this movie. This movie... And you have no excuse because our guest is either your age or a year younger than you. We are hanging out with my buddy, Sam Rager, Samantha Rager, Detroit comedian and comedy partner. Well, partner is not the right word, uh, but comedy. I don't know. You do comedy shows with our previous guest, <laughs> Heather Kozakowski. Thanks for being on the show, Sam. I am so geeked to be on. I've listened to other episodes and they've been amazing and I am excited to make this movie even better. Well, I will no. say that I know <laughs> I know Sam Gash well enough to know that it's going to be a hard sell for him. <laughs> I mean, this movie has something for everybody. It has music. It has aliens. Of course. He's a <laughs> physicist, neurosurgeon, test pilot, rock star. So, superhero. <laughs> he does it all. Is there anything that Buckaroo can't do? Right. Why isn't it just called The Adventures of Mary Sue Across the Eighth Dimension? That's funny. I was thinking that on my way home today. <laughs> he is the ultimate Mary Sue. <laughs> I mean, Batman's the ultimate Mary Sue, but also this guy. Buckaroo Banzai is great. Well, let me ask you this, because Sam Rager... See, I, I don't call either of you guys by your last names, and I call you both Sam, so this, <laughs> this episode is going to be really difficult for me. <laughs> Look, if it, will, if it will make things easier, I am willing to go by Samantha. Samantha. <laughs> Samantha Gash, I always call you Samantha behind your back anyway. So. That's all right. That's just, uh, it, it appeals to my love of scrubs. Well, I would hope that behind my back you call me Michelle. Or sexy, sexy Michelle. I only refer to you as sexy, sexy Michelle. Awesome. This movie came out in 1984, which by my math means it came out before you were born, Sam Rager. Yes. How on earth did you first come across Buckaroo Banzai? I went uh, to see it at Royal Oaks Midnight Madness uh, with an ex and... Um, I accidentally fall asleep during half of it. Oh, uh, okay. That that, that explains it. it. No more questions. <laughs> <laughs> it and I liked it. I... <laughs> and Sam Gash, I will assume since you saw seven movies before you were 28, that this was not one of the seven movies you saw, and you just discovered it for the first time this week. I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna keep digging. Well, I'm glad that we could give this gift to you. <laughs> <laughs> I watched three movies for the first time this week. I watched The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, and then as palate cleansers, I watched the first Fast and the Furious movie, and then I watched Running Man. That's funny, I, I've never seen a Fast and the Furious movie, and I was thinking about finally jumping in and giving them a shot. You know what? I'd only seen Fast Five, and I enjoyed the first one. The first one was good. I have a feeling I know how you're going to rank these movies. You like Fast and the Furious best. You like Running Man a distant second, and way at the bottom for you is Buckaroo Banzai. Bingo! (laughs) Well played, Mr. Bobbitt. (laughs) Finally, after three years, I know how your brain works. Let me tell you that you are mostly wrong. Interesting. I like this movie. Sam Rager. (laughs) This is going to, like, if this is the first episode someone listens to, they're going to be be like, wow, Mike has like a weird affectation that he uses <laughs> the first because they won't put together that you guys both have the same first name. So <laughs> Sam Raker, what is it about Buckaroo Banzai that you like so much? I think the fact that you saw it under the best circumstances the first time... <laughs> 
really is going to play into the fact that you can appreciate the camp value of it. I mean, it had such an enthusiastic following at the theater, and if I didn't have such an early morning start time, I'm sure I would have stayed awake for the whole thing. Right. Uh, the first time. Uh, but I love I love the campiness. I, th- I think that is the number one. Like, there's, there's some 80s movies where they... They do the campiness, but they kind of downplay it in comparison right. to Buckaroo Bunch. Oh, this one dialed the campiness up to, like, the eighth dimension. <laughs> Just... Wow. I mean, and that car that he drives could go way faster than any of the Fast and Furious. Right. Yeah, that alone, Sam Bash. I mean, it's not a fast car. It's just a car with a super laser on it. I haven't seen any of the, the sixth, seventh, or whatever number Fast and Furious movies, but I'm pretty sure they've driven, like, rocket cars at some point, right? Listen, Vin Diesel lives his life a quarter mile at the time. Buckaroo Banzai doesn't have time to measure in quarter miles. He's crossing dimensions. <laughs> so your um, your boyfriend is your age, right? Uh, my current boyfriend. Your current boyfriend uh, is uh, three years younger than. Why do you say it like that, player? Like my current boyfriend? <laughs> no, because I went to see it with my ex. The, oh no, but ex. I mean, when you, did you you rewatched it this week? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. What did he think of it? Oh, he hated it. He hated it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not alone. <laughs> I hope at some point in time he was just like, "Why the fuck is Bobbit making you watch this?" And then you were like, "No, this is my idea." <laughs> For context, too, Sam Rager and her boyfriend play Dungeons and Dragons with us. So. Good. Yes. <laughs> he's been spending his free time at work Googling uh, all Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Are you sure he's not a match just specifically looking for people who aren't into Buckaroo <laughs> Then he would be like my ex. Uh. <laughs> uh, so he better learn to love it. <laughs> Do you have anything else to say up front, Sam Gash? <laughs> Boo! <laughs> I mean, as we move through this, this, uh, this movie, I'm going to systematically destroy it. I hope you're prepared for that. You're going to get together with George Lucas. He's going to buy every copy of the Star Wars Holiday Special. You'll buy every copy of Buckaroo Banzai and just <laughs> have a giant burning. I'm going to bury it in the plot next to the E.T. Uh, Atari game. You know, I'm going to say for the record, too, I like the E.T. Atari game. So you never just fell in a hole and had to restart the game? Of course I did, but it was the Atari and I was young. I didn't care. I had time on my hands. This is my introduction to Buckaroo Banzai. It came out two years after Return of the Jedi, oh, which was perfect. So I was looking for my next Star Wars, and I wanted to see this really bad. It came out in the summer of 84, but it must have come out in the winter of 84 in Michigan, because I remember very specifically (laughs) there being a blizzard. And uh, people that know me will not be surprised by this at all. I was a spoiled, rotten child and got my way all of the time. So I really wanted to see Buckaroo Banzai. There's a blizzard out, and I threw a fit until my family drove through a blizzard to take me to see Buckaroo Banzai. And at that point, the whole feeling between like my parents and my brother was just like, you better fucking say this is your favorite movie. Otherwise, you're staying here and you're going to live in an igloo. I had to convince them that it was the best movie I ever saw. And I tried to watch it again about a year ago in L.A. with Allison and she was having none of it. So I was like, okay, I I remembered it being better. It's not a perfect movie by a long shot. It's a weird movie. But if you look at like, it's weird in the same way that Star Wars is weird. Like there's just a bunch of weird shit going on that they don't explain. But Star Wars does that too. Like if you watch Star Wars, it's like, what the hell is a clone war? Where's Tashi? station. Why does Luke want to get there? Buckaroo Banzai just kind of throws you in the story like Star Wars did, but I think the problem is that Buckaroo Banzai just tries to do too many things, where Star Wars is essentially like, let's get a spaceship, go rescue the princess, and then blow up the base where the princess was, where Buckaroo Banzai has all this shit going on with, like, his dead ex-wife, or his dead wife's twin sister shows up, and she's suicidal, and then there's the red aliens and the black aliens, and different dimensions, 
<laughs> watermelons. I don't know. Maybe it was just doing too much, but it kind of explains why they cut the Jabba sequence out of Star Wars, because maybe that would have been too much and made Star Wars the Buckaroo Banzai of 1977. I'm also pretty sure that Star Wars has less than 10% of the number of characters that Buckaroo Banzai has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just want everybody to have somebody to relate to. Let's give this child a gun. I think, like, his gang, I can't remember, his gang, oh, the Hong Kong Cavaliers. At the time, G.I. Joe figures were, like, super huge, and you had, like, a different colorful G.I. Joe figure, and I think the studio was thinking maybe, like, oh, we can have, like, a whole slew of Buckaroo Banzai action figures, which never happened. And, um, <laughs> we can make it happen. We can. Yeah, well, what I have for my remake is so good that I'm gonna make even Sam Gash go, I would watch that remake of Buckaroo Banzai. I mean, I have a couple uh, caveats to whatever Buckaroo Banzai, anything I ever watch ever again, but I'm prepared to be dazzled. That said, I'm looking at the IMDb page, and I'm seeing that there were a couple deleted scenes, and one of the deleted scenes, Jamie Lee Curtis was supposed to be Buckaroo Banzai's mother. I know. That would have been just another <laughs> bunch of shit that would have made the movie even more confusing. Sure would have. <laughs> okay, I know I'm not going to sell you on this being a good movie, <laughs> but I will tell you that it is the most fun John Lithgow says he's ever had. I'm- and I was watching an interview with uh, Shop Factory, where they were talking about how they were interviewing John Lithgow for a couple of their movies, and as soon as they started talking about Buckaroo Banzai, he just lit up. Kevin Smith was trying to remake Buckaroo Banzai as a TV series last year. It didn't happen, but he tried. So people like this movie, Sam. Uh, well, it didn't work, so it goes to show you something. Not enough people, I guess. <laughs> That's because they haven't seen our sweet remakes yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, though. This was a huge bomb and bankrupt the studio that put it out. Oh, man. Like, Sherwood Studios put it out, and then they quickly went out of business. Oh. Uh, yes. Well, now I feel bad. Okay, now I'm going to play devil's advocate and say, Sam Rager, I have no idea what the fuck this movie was about. <laughs> so, do you want to try to take us through the plot? <laughs> I honestly don't know that I can. Okay, uh, it starts off showing uh, Buckaroo doing some brain surgery as neurosurgeons do. Hold on. Uh, and then- Before even that, we get th- He goes to three- the mountain. We get three... No, oh, no. The-, the mountain's afterwards. Before we get the brain surgery, we get three or four paragraphs of, just so you know, here's ten pounds of backstory. <laughs> anyway, watch this brain surgeon. Which isn't... Unlike Star Wars, starting with the opening crawl, proving my point. Thank you, Sam Gash. You're helping convince everyone who hasn't seen this movie <laughs> that they should run out right away and buy Buckaroo Banzai on Blu-ray. Oh, you're gonna convert so many people. <laughs> uh, so yeah, after after the the rolling the the rolling uh, backstory and then the neurosurgery, uh, then he just shows up super quickly to to test out this new car and uh, his his groupies are there before him as well. The Hong Kong Cavaliers. Yes. They're not his groupies. They're his backup band. (laughs) And pit crew. And contemporary scientists. And I'm fairly certain secret lovers. Yeah, they're they're the village people, that's for sure. Oh yeah, the I mean, village people. There's no way Buckaroo Banzai and Perfect Tommy aren't banging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, I would bang Perfect Tommy. <laughs> I mean, he's perfect. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, we, let, before we move off the uh, Hong Kong Cavaliers, since we're introduced to them, do you have a favorite one, Sam? No, um, Sam Rager. Sam Rager. <laughs> I know your answer, Sam Gash. He hated them all. <laughs> Look, oh crap! I, I, I have a special place in my heart for anything Clancy Brown does just because I played Magic the Gathering with his son and Clancy Brown's a legitimately cool dude. And when Jeff Goldblum shows up... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Stop a second. Sam Rager and I need to pick up that name that you just dropped. Ooh, that's a heavy one. <laughs> Clancy Brown's a big guy. Ooh, that's six foot two of name that you just dropped there. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, okay. Whew. <laughs> Heavy one. I got it for you. I mean, you are right, though, that Clancy Brown is a great voiceover actor and a great character actor who's been working forever, and I'm glad that he's a cool guy and that you get to play Magic the Gathering with his son. Yeah. Um. And then Jeff Goldblum just randomly shows up. He's a cowboy for no reason, and then all of a sudden, he and uh, Peter Weller are best friends for no reason, and I don't get it, and it makes no sense, and it's so dumb. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. He, whoa. And, Pete, he and, and Peter Weller were doctors together. Yeah. Uh, so they had that backstory, and he was dressed as a cowboy because he accidentally took the term buckaroo too seriously. Uh-huh. And New Jersey, the cowboy, uh, was kind of like a nerdy outcast, too, so he was perfect for the Cavaliers, and uh, they didn't have a cowboy. Let's add yet. a new person to the gang. All right, well, let's forget that. Hey, look at this lady. She seems pretty and broken. Let me try and seduce her because she looks like my dead wife. That's not weird. <laughs> that is weird. Like, okay, I admit, I occasionally looked away from the movie. <laughs> But I was like, because I was like, wait, I got to go to Wikipedia and find out exactly what's going on here because I'm having a hard time following this. If she's the twin sister of his dead wife, why didn't he just go like, holy shit, you look just like my dead wife. <laughs> uh, that, that is a good point. I, I will I will concede that. And I, I feel like that was something I, I didn't like about the movie as well, uh, is like him taking advantage of emotionally <laughs> unstable woman instead of getting her help from being suicidal. He just like steals her from jail, brings her onto the table for his press conference because reasons, and then and yet she is still the most developed female character in this entire movie. Those reasons were that because she's Ellen Barkin and she was in an Academy Award nominated movie the year before. She was in Tender Mercies. So she was bringing star power. You don't, like, keep a movie star in jail. I mean, <laughs> you can try. She did find a way to make her own wardrobe throughout the movie. And what a weird wardrobe that was, too. <laughs> Why? Why? Like, even by 80s standards, that was a strange wardrobe. And then- I was like, is she... Did she just tie her pants together at one point? <laughs> I think she made a wardrobe out of men's shirts. Yeah. It's like she kept on stealing the, the Hong Kong Cavaliers clothes, like, bit by bit. <laughs> so she's she's actually Ali Sheedy in Breakfast Club <laughs> as the token female of the Hong Kong Cavaliers. And then all she's of a, just stealing and, things. And then she's all of a sudden willing to die for this guy who's manipulating her, who she's known less than a day. Buckaroo Banzai does not manipulate people, Sam. How dare you? <laughs> he got a child to risk his life for him. Listen, as a person that just oozes charisma. I'm sure I could get a child to <laughs> risk his life for me. I wouldn't want a child to do it, but I can't help it. Sometimes when you have charisma, like Buckaroo Banzai and I have, um, <laughs> I had to commit, by the way, with my family to liking Buckaroo Banzai to the point that I got the comic books, too. And um, oh, How are the comic books? Right up there at the movie. <laughs> <laughs> when I think charisma, I definitely think the guy who played a robot. He knew how to rock that stage. Yeah. Which is how they met Penny. Is he? She saw her crying, and he drew all of the attention on her. <laughs> Which I have found crying women love. He didn't see her crying. He heard her crying over the music he was actively producing. Come on, you've been on set. You know they weren't really having music. Of course it was going to be easy to hear someone crying. Ah, <laughs> oh, Mike, the fourth wall. It's just shattered all over the place. It's the a fourth good... wall and the eighth dimension. Yeah, I, I knew I set you up for that one. Oh yeah, I forgot Like when he blasted through the, the mountain into the eighth dimension, how that, that thing latched onto his car. Yeah. And they just carried it around in a because It was, well... They also don't explain how all of those aliens got out of the 8th dimension. Like, they said that aliens were trapped in the 8th dimension, and yet here's several dozen of them on Earth. No, a lot of them were trapped in the 8th dimension, but a, a few of them with uh, John... What's his name? John Werfen? Lord John Werfen. Dr. Emilio Lizardo. Yeah, Lord John Werfen and some of his people, like John Big Bute, <laughs> <laughs> managed to escape and were on Earth, so they had been looking since 1938 when Dr. Lizardo, like, first kind of went through, they've been on Earth waiting for another way to, like, free the rest of their red electroids. So how did that work? When John 
uh, when Dr. Emilio Lizardo jumped on the thing and the his partner was like, no, no, Professor Hik- uh, Hikita was like, no, no, don't do that, don't do that. And Emilio Lizardo like went halfway through the wall. Did he just merge with Lord John Warfin? Yes, right. No, they merged. Because why? Because alien technology, Sam. You're not meant to know. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, mention it's a weird place. Yeah. Because as you would say, Sam... Reasons? <laughs> Reasons. This movie's bad. How dare you? <laughs> okay, we're at the press conference. Take it away, Sam Riker. So they're they're at the press conference. They start talking about the this... Uh, well, they start talking about Buckaroo making it through the mountain. They show off that, that thing that they've just been carrying around in a beaker. And... <laughs> <laughs> the 8th Dimension got their car pregnant. <laughs> and, and they kept it. They kept yep. it. Uh, <laughs> this is a pro-life movie. <laughs> And then, uh, and then he gets a call from the president. And like during this conference, they have they have Penny set up with a microphone, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> Don't give Sam Cash any opportunity to jump in <laughs> and just start going because reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the president calls, and he's I don't know what he's doing. Is he getting like a back rub at that point? Yeah, he's getting something weird going on. Like he's in that. The president um... threw his back out, and so he was having his back realigned, so he was in the thing. Oh, okay. Mm. It was it was a weird bonus fact for no reason because there's like so much going on before the movie starts. Buckaroo Banzai is just like Star Wars. <laughs> the president was played by Ronald Lacey, who played Tot, the Nazi that uh, burns his hand on the um, uh, the amulet in Raiders of the Lost Ark. But Neat. completely unrecognizable. Yep, I had no idea it was him. Yeah, the only reason I'm seeing that is because he's like on his IMDb page is saying, known for Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I'm like, what? Yep. So Buckaroo goes, trying to take a call, and it turns out to be like these aliens just hanging out, and then they zap him through the phone. And then because they zapped him, he was able to write a formula on his hand and then he seemingly electrocutes anyone who he kind of touches and he can see the aliens for what they are. That was the thing that I had at Wikipedia to find out what was going on. <laughs> um, apparently the black electroids shock him so he's able to see the red electroids and then they give him the formula so he can help the other Hong Kong Cavaliers. I feel this episode's making me feel really racist, guys. <laughs> Every time I say Hong Kong Cavaliers. What, you, you think it's weird that Peter Weller played a Japanese guy? Half Japanese. <laughs> Good old blue-eyed Peter Weller. Yeah, I did pick up on that quite a bit. <laughs> also, I like that he plays half Japanese, and that's not where Hong Kong is. How dare you? <laughs> also, the letters on his headband don't spell anything at all. It makes me wonder how many people got the kanji from his headband tattooed on themselves because they love Buckaroo Banzai, <laughs> thinking that it said Buckaroo Banzai, and yeah, it doesn't. So, And then he's just randomly doing a kabuki ceremony later, and it just, oh god, it's so unfortunate. Randomly, he's half Japanese. <laughs> it doesn't come up! Chewbacca and r 2 two are randomly playing the uh, hollow chess on the Millennium Falcon and uh, they never call back to that. Again, Buckaroo Banzai and Star Wars, practically the same movie. I mean, I would compare this more to when they all go to uh, the Wookiee world to celebrate whatever Wookiee Christmas is called. Wookiee Life Day. <laughs> that is the analogy. No, because there's no soft poor video porn. Buckaroo Banzai literally tries to hook up with a literal suicide girl. Listen, <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but about 15 years ago, a lot of people were trying to hook up with suicide girls. It was like the number one uh, softcore porn thing on the internet. So Buckaroo Banzai was ahead of his time. So what you're saying is points to me? No, I'm saying point to Peter Weller for being a trendsetter. He was into Suicide Girls before Suicide Girls were wearing too much black eyeliner and fishnets. I I know this is jumping ahead, but I'm surprised at the end when they think that she's dead, how he's like, I'm still gonna go for it. Yeah, (laughs) but that's like, that's Disney princess weird too. Like when you think about it, like, yeah, like especially in this day of age, like there may be young people listening to this episode. And first of all, there shouldn't be. But if there are, if a woman is unconscious and or dead, never, ever, 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 ever 
try to kiss her. And he, and he sees the slight movement and he's like, oh, yeah, we're good to go. Uh, <laughs> and right before that, Jeff Goldblum is like, I tried everything I could. And Jeff Goldblum is a, I, I love his character and he's a neurosurgeon. But if like a tiny electric shot can wake her, <laughs> I don't think he's tried everything. I think he really disliked Penny or she w- he was like helping her out. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Jeff Goldblum had a set of paddles down in the weird sub-basement with killer snails. Hey, he could have figured it out. I mean, I look, I'm just finally glad that we found an answer to the question of, can you think of any bad movie that Christopher Lloyd has ever been in? I can't. I can't. Can you, Sam? <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Nope, I think he still has a solid track record. <laughs> so, we're at this press conference, and all of a sudden, Buckaroo Banzai, after speaking with someone he assumed was the president, runs out and goes, there they are. There's the beings from the eighth dimension at a bunch of reporters. And then he goes running after a couple of weird-looking strangers. And uh, you, were, you were telling us about the movie, Sam? Please, continue. I mean, the rest of the reporters were probably thinking the same thing, that those people were kind of weird-looking. So they probably didn't think anything else of Buckaroo going after them. They're like, yeah, they're suspicious. And then he rallies the, uh, he rallies his fan club. Yeah. (laughs) And they get on a bus and then he finds his way onto a Harley uh, where he goes to the woods where there are these two hunters who uh, stumble upon this ship and this ship almost rolls on top of them, but it doesn't. Two of the, uh, two of the black aliens get out and one of them immediately dies for no reason. (laughs) He hit his head real hard. (laughs) Totally. They could have soft spots like babies. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Also, if there are any young people listening to the show, don't drop babies. They're soft. Just like black electroids. The one thing I will say is that it was a little bit refreshing that the white guys were the bad guys and the black guys were the good guys, but carry on. There, you found something good yeah. about Buckaroo Banzai. Mm-hmm. I mean, the black guys were still going to blow up the planet. Not for bad reason, though. I mean, if they had the power to send a nuclear-powered thing, like, to make it look like a nuke, instead of doing that, why didn't they use that same laser to blow uh, Dr. Lord Warfin's ship out of the sky? Maybe they couldn't get that precise with the laser. Yeah, man. I want to do the rest of the episode like a black electrode. Because <laughs> <laughs> that won't be <laughs> offensive at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, the police come and then the red electroids come as well. And the red electroids are trying to get in the ship. The police tell them not to. Buckaroo finds his uh, scientist mentor in the red electroids van. He lets him out. Or, no, he doesn't let him out. He takes his hand and he transfers the formula onto his head. Yep, that's how it works. And then he has those those uh, those cool powers. Licking your hand with ink on it. And, <laughs> and then he for some reason I'm fading on this. And I also rewatched it again today. They go and they get the message from um, Jamaican guy. I don't know. This movie's impossible. They wouldn't, yeah. they wouldn't let him into the compound, too, even though they, they were dealing with some stuff. They took his mysterious package, but then not him. I love their bubble wrap glasses, too. The bubble wrap glasses were great. <laughs> I've never wanted glasses so badly since the end of Back to the Future. Another Christopher Lloyd classic. Also, the um, the Secretary of Defense in this movie, which, that's a really hands-on position, it turns out. I had no idea. He was really committed to getting whatever it was he was supposed to get. He's in uh, Back to the Future 3 with Christopher Lloyd. So. Oh. Oh, yeah. When did Back to the Future 3 come out? Well, after this. This is um, Christopher Lloyd's first real big movie. Like, this is right after he did Taxi. So uh, this is pre-Back to the Future. See, Mike, TV actors can successfully transition into film careers. It's okay that I'm casting TV people. If Christopher Lloyd can do it, anyone can. We'll make sure we cast absolutely everyone from Riverdale for this uh, I remake. refuse to watch that show. <laughs> well, then everyone from Runaways. The new Hong Kong Cavaliers is literally the entire cast of Runaways now. You joke, but I'm for that. That sounds amazing. I know you're 
for that. That sounds fantastic. They're all they're all so good and, and interesting and, and quirky in the best possible ways. Everyone should watch this show, Mike. You mean just like the Hong Kong Cavaliers? No. Also different and interesting? They're like the Rebel Alliance, man. <laughs> Reno Nevada is clearly like Nine Num, who co-piloted the Millennium Falcon with Lando Calrissian. Who is also a little racist. Rawhide is definitely Princess Leia. <laughs> <laughs> I've always thought Mr. Krabs and Princess Leia were basically the same person. Okay, I don't think there's much of a story to break down. Basically, Buckaroo Banzai uh, helps the good aliens defeat the bad aliens from Planet 10, and they all live happily ever after to have another adventure that never happened because the movie tanked, unfortunately. Okay, so they were wanting to make that movie that they advertised at the end? Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm sure that movie's written. I'm sure they have a script for that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. It came out as a comic book series. Oh, did it? Yeah. Did yeah. you buy it? I read it. How was it, Mike? For years, I had to convince my parents that this was the best <laughs> movie. Uh, you know, because I post these on my website, and I think that would be the only way my mom could figure out how to listen to this. So if my mom is listening to this, my dad is probably in the next room, and they're probably going, Aha! <laughs> we knew all along! That son of a gun! My mom never forgets anything. <laughs> I mean, I, I bet this movie did get Jeff Goldblum Independence Day. No! Jeff Goldblum was actually pretty successful at this point. <laughs> like, the year before this, he did The Big Chill and The Right Stuff. Ellen Barkin was in Tender Mercies, which was nominated for Best Picture. And John Lithgow had already been nominated for Best Supporting Actor at this point. Like, he's an Oscar-nominated actor when he said, oh yeah, Buckaroo Banzai sounds like fun. Tom Hanks was originally, um, well, not originally, but he was considered for the role of Buckaroo Banzai. Do you think they approached him? Or do you think... Yeah, but I, I think at the time, you know, it's not like Tom today. This is like bosom buddies, Tom. <laughs> I did think that the director of the movie was using an alias because his name is W. D. Rector. So I thought it was sort of like W. D. Rector. Oh as a director. But, <laughs> no, apparently that's his real name. Interesting. <laughs> and he also did yep. Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> of course he did. He wrote it, yeah. Both he and the writer of Buckaroo Banzai came up with the story of Buckaroo Banzai and the whole universe for it while they were in college together. So, Wait, hold on. Yes. They... I assumed Buckaroo Banzai, the movie we saw, was based off an already existing comic book series. It's based heavily on the Doc Savage comic book. It's lifted really heavily to the point that you would think that someone would have been like, well, this is almost copyright infringement. Apparently Doc Savage Savage has his own Hong Kong Cavalier prototype group and everything, but nope, that's just how good of world building they did, well, Sam. Well, that's the thing, because I was I was actually giving this movie a fair amount of leeway, just because I was like, well, it's for the people who've been reading these comic books for years, and that's why they have all of this backstory already built up, because that's why I'm assuming nope. Penny Pretty, all of this, all of these things already exist in this world, and then this movie's basically just the next issue, so it's basically like picking up a soap <laughs> opera in the middle, and to find out that that's entirely false makes this movie so much worse, which I did not think was possible. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> they just decided, hey, instead of introducing this guy to a, a lovely lady who he rescues and, and they fall in love, no, for some reason, he, she's just gonna look like a dead ex-wife who we've never introduced It doesn't exist for no reason. Oh my god, this movie. I'm so glad that Star Wars was successful by the time you discovered it, because otherwise you would have been like, episode four? I don't want to watch I, I haven't seen one through three yet. I, I can't watch a movie without knowing what a moisture evaporator is. Why didn't Ben go see Luke earlier? I don't know. I don't get this. How dare you, Sam? <laughs> I'm going to go as far as to say Buckaroo Banzai is the best movie to come out during my lifetime. <laughs> okay, I couldn't say that without laughing. Okay, never mind. Okay, I have one last little piece of trivia and then we can uh, remake this masterpiece. <laughs> At one point in time, they drive through the tunnel, which I don't know if you, you probably recognized it, Sam Gash. It's the tunnel leading to the uh, Griffith Observatory, which is the same tunnel that they go through in Roger Rabbit. So, yep. uh, it's, yeah. it's also the same tunnel that they use in uh, Back to the Future, isn't it? Yep. Famous tunnel. It's the 
tunnel. And I'm like, <laughs> anytime you go through a tunnel, if it's not on a freeway, which is the tunnel at, um, I think, 3rd and Fig, downtown LA, then it's uh, that tunnel. Yeah, I mean, unless you want to shut down a highway. Right. Every time Alice and I would go to the observatory, we would always say, now entering Toontown. So... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you both are cute. I know. <laughs> We're the best. Earl Mac Roush, who wrote this, this is not the movie that tanked his career. He wrote the movie Wired, or adapted the movie Wired, which was the uh, movie about John Belushi reliving his life as a ghost, basically. And that's the movie that blackballed him from Hollywood. So, Oy. Oh, wow. Uh, so, John Belushi living his life as a ghost? Like, it's um kind of... Uh, well, you, well, you know about the movie Ghost, because you listen to that episode. <laughs> In the movie Ghost, Patrick Swayze runs off after he's been shot, and then he's like, oh, sh- I'm dead. So, the movie Wired is sort of like John Belushi waking up in the morgue and then just kind of walking through as, you know, it's sort of like a Christmas carol with heroin and cocaine. Oh, wow. That was a bold choice to make it for somebody that actually lived. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Sam, do you have any questions about Buckaroo Banzai other than why? Well, I mean, we're we're walking over ground that's already been done. I mean, they basically already remade this movie. Yeah? It's a movie about aliens that live in the space between spaces. This movie is Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. This movie is better than Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Is it? 100%. So Sam Rager, you, like you talk about how much you love the campiness of this movie. What, mm-hmm. even though you fell asleep in the original movie, like what's your campiness included? What's your favorite aspect of the movie? Like what's the thing that like, what's your quotable line that you always say? What's the joke that you like tell your friends, shut up, shut up, the thing's about to happen. I don't have a quotable line from it. When he tells uh, Pretty Tommy to let her go and uh, he's like, no, she wants to kill you. And he's like, oh yeah, or, no, she doesn't. Give, let her, let her go. Give her your jacket. And he's like, why, why me? And he's like, because you're perfect. That's how I knew they were banging. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Buckaroo Banzai was sort of like a David Koresh cult where they all took turns sleeping with him. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, in, in that vein, Sam, what's, who's your favorite character? Jeff Goldblum. Just because I love his quirkiness and I, I love, like, his enthusiasm. And I would definitely be very similar in showing up in, like, a cowboy costume and getting, like, picked on by other people. Like, how they asked him, like, where's your spurs? The so first thing we have to do before we start casting this movie is we have to cut some of these like characters. Like the end of the movie during the credits when they all kind of walk out uh, no, and walk no. as a giant pack of people. That, Absolutely that, not. I, Every single one of the Hong Kong Cavaliers is like a perfect snowflake. <laughs> individual and beautiful in their own way. I, I cast five plus a director plus a writer. That's all I'm giving you. I have nine pages. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> this is going to be a two part episode. Part one is going to be casting the Hong Kong Cavaliers. <laughs> Part two will be casting the Electroids. <laughs> and then we'll do a Patreon episode where we cast everyone else. <laughs> I mean, we're going to have to start a Patreon for something like that, but I'm down. So I don't know about you guys, but I tried for casting Buckaroo Banzai looking up half Japanese actors and found no one recognizable at all. I did the same thing. I did not. Sam Rager, who do you have for Buckaroo Banzai? Um, I was torn between Donald Glover or Neil Patrick Harris because in my remake, it would take on more of a musical element. Oh, Jesus. Ooh. <laughs> a musical Buckaroo. Yeah, because he does like a really like almost like public domain white guy rock song and then he starts to do like a really public domain quality <laughs> piano solo. So like as a rock star, we never really get to see him as a rock star. But Donald Glover could be a good Buckaroo Banzai. Would. I, if someone's going to be named Buckaroo Banzai, I think they should be Asian in some way. But before we even do that, can we strip some of the things away? Does he need to be a surgeon, test pilot, musician, rocket scientist, uh, appreciator of Tuesdays, dog owner, spelunker, 
black belt in several forms of uh, martial arts and left-hander. Yeah, in fact, I was thinking of adding a few things. <laughs> of course he needs to be some of those things. Do you not understand the camp appeal of Buckaroo Banzai? <laughs> all right. Okay, that's fine. We'll, okay, well, we'll leave it all. Well, well, let's look at it this way. Okay, so Sam Rager was suggesting more of a musical version of this. I have kind of a going more for the camp in the comedy. Like, I have a lot of funny people. Sam Gash, you're thinking more of a serious version where we tone down the outrageousness? I cast serious actors, but I picked comedic writers, so I was thinking more like a Naked Gun. Naked Gun would just go the opposite way and have ten times as many Hong Kong Cavaliers. It would be like the recruitment scene in Mystery Men. That's kind of what I think would be better. all of the people they were recruiting would be Hong Kong Cavaliers. Like, that's the thing. Like, they keep, if you're gonna have that many characters, either have that many characters, like, have fewer characters, or have ten times as many. There aren't that many Hong Kong Cavaliers, though. And I only recast one of them. There's only four, really. Plus, well, there's the original four, plus, uh, yeah. uh, 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 I don't know why I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden, plus Jeff Goldblum, plus the, 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 the helicopter pilot and the kid, plus the secretary, plus the scientist who gets killed by random things. It never stops. Well, I, I stuck to the four original Hong Kong Cavaliers. Okay. All right. I mean, that's not unreasonable. Okay. The thing is, is that, like, I... I think there could be something here. I just think we got to figure out, like, what we're doing. I would cut the space between spaces thing. I would just say, hey, aliens have been living on Earth for a while because this was the worst place in the world that they could be exiled to. Like, they got sent to this planet because this planet is worse than jail for these aliens. But finally, our technology caught up to the point where they could get home. And now the the aliens that exiled them are like, no, 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 we can't have that. We would destroy your planet before we let these aliens get out of alien jail on your planet. Well, yeah, I agree that some of the plot near the end gets a little muddled and confusing, (laughs) but I think everything leading up to it, and I'm not actually being facetious when I say this, I think it's gold. Like, I think it's really good. I would trim a lot of the stuff at the beginning, a lot of stuff at the end, and I would make women better. But I don't necessarily disagree with you. So answer me this, uh, Mike and Sam. When would you set this movie? Yeah, that's kind of tough, because it's sort of, like, important that it's in a Cold War kind of setting, but we're kind of in a weird sort of Cold War now, Mm -hmm. that it could be really contemporary. Yeah, I think either now or in the 80s again. But, I mean, yeah, if this, if we made it five years ago then even even just five years ago it might be a little weird but because of the the interesting political climate yeah i think we could make it contemporary my pitch is actually uh to make this a retro futuristic kind of movie you have all these ridiculous things that are going on do it like uh like watchman style where it is the 80s but it's an 80s with all of this high-tech equipment oh it could be like one of those things that just has like a weird amalgamation of technology that just kind of leaves the audience going when does this take place you know like i'm good with that too. I'm, a- I'm actually okay with that. I find it more interesting if they just, like, the time period doesn't really matter. It's like, uh, like how Star Wars, they have all the, all this, like, like, they don't have transporter technology, they have light speed technology, but not cell phones. Like, that sort of thing. Like, I would have no problem if, like, Buckaroo Banzai's car at the beginning was more of a modern car, but at the same time, no one uses a cell phone. <laughs> and, you know, there might be anachronistic things happening where you're just like, wait, is this 80s? Is this 90s? Is this now? Like, I like doing it that way because then it kind of sets itself in its own universe. Like, it's driving the bus of, like, that's an expression I use a lot with comedy, where, like, certain comedians drive the bus and other comedians are a passenger to the audience driving the bus, and I think if we kind of set it in our own sort of ambiguous time, then the movie's driving the bus, and the audience has to get on board and just kind of surrender themselves to the reality that we create. I agree with that. I also really like the idea of having a super high-def TV screen for, like, displaying everything, and we're still displaying everything in those weird 8-bit graphics. And using a rotary phone. Yes. (laughs) In fact, if they have a cell phone, I want it to be a rotary 
rotary cell phone. <laughs> so I will say for my Buckaroo Banzai that I had Joseph Gordon-Levitt because I think he looks half Asian, although he is not. But I like the idea of Donald Glover because I think that Donald Glover is the closest thing to a real-life Buckaroo Banzai that we have, where he's a writer, an actor, a comedian, a musician. Sam Gash, who did you have? I had a person that I think is the correct choice, and then I have a backup. My backup is John Cho from uh, Harold and Kumar. But I think the correct choice is Daniel Day Kim. He's from Lost and Hawaii Five-O. He's like mm, leading leading man attractive because that's what Buckaroo Banzai is. Like he's this guy who has legions and legions of fans. He's like this sexy dreamboat guy. And I'm pretty sure Daniel Day Kim was once uh, like people's sexiest man of the year. And he's not Japanese. He's Korean. But I mean, if you're naming it, if it's Buckaroo Banzai, I, <laughs> there's already enough whitewashing that I'm like, maybe cast someone Asian. Here's my thing against Daniel Day Kim. He's 49 years old. Uh-huh. I, uh... I mean, how long do you think it takes someone to master neuroscience and learn an instrument and be a stock How long does racer? it take someone or how long does it take Buckaroo Banzai? <laughs> that is a legitimate question. I really like the idea of Donald Glover. Skip the whole thing that, you know, his dad was a American and his mom was Japanese or vice or no his mom was American and his dad was Japanese or his mom could be African American and his dad could be Japanese yeah it could but his name is Buckaroo Banzai because he's Japanese like that's where the Banzai comes from like you'd have to change his name what if it's just kind of like his nom de gore am I using that phrase right I believe you are DJ Dangler pulled it out on me and that is his real name <laughs> for about a year now I've been wanting to use that and I don't know if I did it right don't get me wrong I love Donald Glover and I think Donald Glover is good at just about everything he's ever done. But I think if you're casting a character that has, in history, been a whitewashed character, even casting a black guy as an Asian guy isn't necessarily always... I think it'd be better if we cast an Asian guy, but if you guys feel strongly that we need to go with Donald Glover, I'll follow your lead. Well, I would say between your two, I would choose John Cho. I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast before, but I saw John Cho when I was in LA. This literally happened to me. It's not even an expression or a turn of phrase. John Cho, in person, was so handsome that he literally knocked the breath out of me. (laughs) I mean, he has already played a Japanese guy in a major motion picture. Sulu? Yeah, he played Sulu, even though he is himself South Korean. So we can go with him then for our... We're going to go John Cho? Yeah. Okay. Um, We'll go John Cho. I'm pretty sure he can sing also. And as I'm looking at uh, some Wikipedia information for him, apparently it was John Cho who popularized the term MILF. That's a strike against him in my eyes. (laughs) It is also a strike against him in my eyes, but let's rock and roll. Yeah. No, I'm sad that I also know him from Selfie. I like Selfie. (laughs) You didn't like Selfie? It was a guilty pleasure of mine. Oh. How can liking something good be a guilty pleasure? <laughs> but I mean, Buckaroo Banzai should be your guilty pleasure. <laughs> what do you guys want to do next? You want to do Dr. Dr. Emilio Lazardo? Yeah. Okay. Who do you guys have? I had Robert Carlyle for Once Upon a Time fans. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I immediately went train spotting and I was like, I don't see him as being funny. But you're right. On Once Upon a Time, he's funny and scary too. Mm-hmm. I had Willem Dafoe. Ooh, he's good. Uh, yeah. What about you, Sam? Gash. I had Ian McShane. He's good too. I'm good with both of your choices. I think both of those are super interesting, and especially getting the guy who plays Rumpelstiltskin, I think is a really clever idea. Robert Carlyle's not a name that popped up on the podcast yet. That's true. Let's go with Robert Carlyle. Let's give it to Robbie Carlyle. Yeah. Yay, thank you guys. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Sam Rager got one on the board. <laughs> That's right. Penny Pretty. I had no one. Allison suggested Elizabeth Olsen, because we just watched her in Ingrid Goes West, and Elizabeth Olsen's pretty amazing. If anything, the Penny Pretty role needs to be beefed up. Like, she's such 
a damsel in distress that it was really hard to watch a shockingly helpless female on screen. I agree with that. That role has to be an equal to Buckaroo Banzai. Mm -hmm. I agree with that as well. Sam, who did you have? Uh, I have three different people. Oh, uh, walk us through them. Apologize. No, don't. It's great. I'm excited. Emmy Rossum was the first one because of that musical aspect. I know that she rocked out in Phantom of the Opera. And then also like she plays kind of like a a tougher person on Shameless. Oh, yeah. She's the oldest daughter on Shameless. Mm -hmm. She's also Um, great in uh, the new uh, uh, A Feud Island Useless Gesture. My my next choice was Carrie Mulligan. And that was just because she she reminded me of. Um, And then my third choice was Matt Dallas uh, because Kyle XY was a guilty pleasure of mine as well. (laughs) <laughs> What's the person's name? Matt Dallas. Matt? Yeah. A guy? So your penny is a, a yeah. guy? Yeah. Interesting. Huh. I mean, that does kind of fit the rhetoric. Oh, that's a guy without a belly button. <laughs> <laughs> What has Matt Dallas done lately? He could be doing Buckaroo Banza. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> it looks like he's done a bunch of indies and he's been a camera operator. So we could save budget on crew. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you mine. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the person I cast for Penny Pretty is a lady named Emily Browning. Emily Browning is on American Gods and she's the the, the dead wife on American Gods. And she's this, char- she's this character who's like fragile while simultaneously being incredibly badass. Uh, she She kills a lot of people. She dance fights people to death in... Uh... Sucker Punch? Yeah, Sucker Punch. So, like, that that's why I cast her, because she she can look like that fragile person. And then, because she basically... I mean, I don't think you should keep the torture scene in Buckaroo Bonsai, but I feel like Emily Browning is one of those people who could seriously mess up some aliens' shit. Yeah, but Buckaroo Bonsai gets tortured as well, though. He does. They both get tortured. Yeah. He, he does, but Buckaroo Bonsai's torture makes me less uncomfortable than Emily's torture. We could torture Penny Pretty, but she could rescue herself from it, as opposed to waiting to be rescued by the boys. And I'm also cool if she's the one who rescues Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be even better. Yeah. And then she could spark kiss him back to life. Well, yeah, Emily Browning is good about being a dead person who comes back to life. Because if there's one thing I do want to keep, it's non-consensual kissing. (laughs) 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 I'm going to sit back and let you guys figure out who our Penny Pretty is. Go ahead, Sam. Mm -hmm. Talk. What what are you thinking right now? Um, I like your choice because she's already proven herself to be in the same role to be fragile and NBA. I like the idea idea of casting a guy. I think uh, the idea of casting Matt Dallas was actually a really cool idea. I don't know if he specifically is the right choice, but I do like the idea of Penny Pretty is is a dude. My, my one that I cast, I also gender swapped. I'm not against a uh, a gay science fiction hero. It hasn't been done before. I'm not I think. I'm not either, but I feel like we would have to go and, and try and um, figure out who that guy is and for sake of time. <laughs> but Sam, I'll go with whoever you think is best. Yeah, Emily Browning. All right, cool. Great. Uh, okay, New Jersey. Who can be Jeff Goldblum? All right, let me get mine out of the way first because it's going to be shot down, but I'm pretty sure that no one can play New Jersey better than this person. Bruce Springsteen. No. <laughs> You guys ready? Snooky. What? <laughs> Wait, from Jersey Shore? Yeah. <laughs> Usually I edit out all of the silence in an episode, but I think this episode is going to be 10 minutes of silence right after you say that. <laughs> People will be looking at their iPhones going, no, it says it's still playing. <laughs> <laughs> well, think about it. It's, we'll cut to Sam laughing. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, they, 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 you can set it up so well. It's like, okay, this person is a is a brain surgeon. They're they're this amazing intellect, and they like they've done all this way. We're really lucky to have this person. They go by the pseudonym New Jersey. Oh, oh, interesting, interesting. All right, I'm ready to meet New Jersey. Who is this person? And then just Snooky walks out, and just like making her say these ridiculous neurosciency lines would tickle me. <laughs> okay, that would be funny to watch on a funnier die parody, but I don't know if I could handle a movie. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know. I just wanted to say it. <laughs> Good idea you have Sam Rager. Uh, I had Joe Keery from Stranger Things. Oh, the one that looks like um, John Raffio. Yeah. Huh. Your choice is definitely closer to Jeff Goldblum. For this, I looked up actors and actresses from New Jersey, and I came up with Anne Hathaway, which I just watched her in Colossal, and she's really, really good. I have to see that movie so bad. I really want to. Yeah, like... I have always been a, a person that wasn't a big Anne Hathaway fan, but seeing her in that, I was like, wow, she's actually really, really good. And I think it would be kind of cool to have, you know, someone from New Jersey playing New Jersey and having someone who's, you know, I mean, Jeff Goldblum's a good actor too, but someone who isn't so quirky, like going a really different direction on that. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And yeah. I, I feel like she's probably a more believable age for a neuroscientist than Joe Curie is. Yeah. And I don't want Catwoman to be her one and done genre thing. Like, I, I think love- it would be cool to have her be a badass and something else fun. Yeah. Princess Diaries was amazing. Yes. Are you guys thinking I'm a genius? We're yes. thinking you're a genius. Yay. <laughs> I'm circling her name. Yeah. Great job, sexy, sexy Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Samantha Gash. <laughs> So you only had one Hong Kong Cavalier. Correct. The only other person that I have casting is uh, John Bigbute. Sam Rager and I will quickly go through the rest of the Hong Kong Cavaliers that we have. Great. Do it. I'm excited. For Perfect Tommy, I went Samira Wiley Pusey from Orange is the New Black. Oh, I did David Tennant. Ooh. They're both perfect. Yeah, they are. Let's go fan favorite David Tennant. Yeah, let's do that. And then if someone doesn't know, they'll go who? <laughs> oh, that was a good, that was a good play. <laughs> I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. No, I love, I love, okay. I love puns. Wow. For Mike, Reno, Nevada. Wow. Uh, <laughs> To uh, replace the great actor, Pepe Serna, who played Reno Nevada, who we all know all the great roles that Pepe Serna went on to do (laughs) after Buckaroo Banzai and before Buckaroo Banzai. I know it was hard to step into the big shoes of Pepe Serna, but (laughs) I came up with Michael Pena. Michael Pena would be great. Uh, Craig Robinson? Craig Robinson? Oh, from uh, Uh, the Tubbs Time Machine? The Pontiac Bandit. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He's really good in Morris from America, the movie where he plays the uh, soccer coach and he and his son are black Americans that are living in Germany. It's just sort of like how his son is dealing with being a total fish out of water. That was really neat to see him in a serious role. I love both of your picks. They're both amazing actors. I would probably lean a little bit more towards Michael Pena just because, I don't know, I just think he's a, a really clever person. I think he could do like a weird character thing. Craig Robinson, as, yeah. as far as I can tell, kind of always plays Craig Robinson, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just, I think I would lean towards Michael Pena if it was me. Did either of you guys cast uh, John Parker? <laughs> No. What if we throw Craig Robinson in there? Like, I had most deaf, but I'd be happy putting Craig Robinson in there because Craig Robinson kind of fits who I have for all the red electrodes that I have straight up funny people for all the aliens, with the exception of John Emdahl, uh, who is Rosalind Cash in the original. I thought uh, Traji uh, P. Henson oh, would be, be fun amazing. for that. Oh, she would be amazing. I agree with all of the words that just came out of your throat hole. Okay. <laughs> I just watched Hidden Figures over the weekend, and I was like, damn, like, she's so good. The only thing I really know her from is Empire commercials. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, it just seems so soap opera-y. But seeing her in an Oscar performance, I was like, holy shit, she's awesome. Yeah, you don't have to sell me on Taraji P. Henson. That's why I've pitched her before on the podcast. Well, I came around to the way you were thinking. How about you came, that, Sam? You came around last time, too. We Last time we cast her. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've had a couple repeats this episode. There are only so many great actors. I know that's the problem that you deal with in Hollywood right now, Sam, that you're like, where's all the competition? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and quietly sob if that's cool with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I had George Takei as Professor Hikita. I didn't write it down, but I was thinking the same thing. As okay. Well. That works for me. And then for <laughs> Rawhide, I had Danny McBride. 
Um, oh, I didn't have Rawhide on here. He's the best of the Hong Kong Cavaliers! <laughs> if, if, when you say Rawhide, I basically can only picture Danny McBride now, so perfect. <laughs> Did you have the red Lectroids at all? No, I had Pinky. Who? Who's Pinky? He was the the one that was at the door when, um, the, when John came with the box. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Rager cast a day player. <laughs> and I have, I have Kevin McHale. For Pinky. <laughs> Kevin Mc- who's Kevin McHale? Uh, he was in Glee. Uh, he played the kid in the wheelchair. Oh, I like that kid. Yay. A lot of people were upset with him in Glee because he's playing a guy who's handicapped. And then he has a literal dance number where he gets up out of the wheelchair and dances in like a fantasy number. And people were like, no, there's so many talented disabled actors. And they cast one who can walk. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. There's, it's a conversation for another time. But like disabled actors are not treated very well in Hollywood. What a surprise. <laughs> You could cut the word disabled out of that sentence and still be saying something accurate. That is also true. Pinky Carruthers was played by Billy Vera, who doesn't even have a picture on IMDb. Has also got... Oh, he has 41 credits and soundtrack credits, too. Yeah, apparently he's someone. He's some sort of musician who's written a lot of songs, uh, but he was in the Doors movie, did a song for the Ted 2 soundtrack, so... um, Oh, and the Rugrats. And what did he do on Rugrats? Oh, he's Goldie the Accordion. Okay, well... (laughs) Now he's Kevin McHale. <laughs> For the trio of Red Electroids, John Big Boutte, John O'Connor, and John Gomez, I had Will Farrell, John C. Riley, and Jason Manzukis. Oh, that would be good. That is pretty great. Uh, the only person I would throw into that mix is for John Big Boutte, I cast Tom Hiddleston. Loki? Yeah. I think it'd be funny if, okay. if we have like this classic, like Shakespearean style, like villain level actor, just surrounded by like the two comedy bubbling guys. Yeah. He, so he can still have John C. Riley and Jason Manzukis as his cohorts. Oh. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, if anything, I'll insist on it. I have Willem Dafoe as the Secretary of Defense and Alec Baldwin as the President. I think you can cast Alec Baldwin as the President, and then I think it'd be funnier if you cast one of the other Baldwins as the Secretary of Defense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Stephen Baldwin is a scumbag, so how about Billy Baldwin? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, how about add to the confusion and cast Adam Baldwin from Firefly? <laughs> Just to have people go like, I thought they weren't related. <laughs> I think that'd be funny, except he's also supposed to be a real asshole. Is he? Yeah, oh. he, he plays Jane. Yeah, uh, I'm trying remember the story that I heard, but like I listened to the story about how he was basically just like har- apparently he's just not just an awful human being. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, just kind of like a harassing jackass kind of thing. I think I think your casting is a good idea because I do think that's funny. But okay, so Billy Baldwin gets the role then. Yep, <laughs> he'll he'll be happy because I think he needs the work. <laughs> I assume so. I mean, I don't know what he's done since uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall. I don't have a writer or director for a movie like this. All the set design and everything of the movie is really neat. It looks used. You know, like I said, this is Star Wars. It's a lived-in <laughs> universe. But I think the problem with Buckaroo Banzai is there's, like, the one shot at the press conference where we do, like, the the push zoom on the aliens. You know, kind of like the Jaws shot with Brody. That's literally the only good camera shot in the entire movie. The movie's shot so amateurly. Like, it's, it's embarrassing how, like, uninteresting such a strange original movie looks on you know on film and it looks like it's shot on video which I feel like 1984 is too early for that maybe I thought Edgar Wright would be fun just off the top of my head just because everything he does is visually interesting Sam did you have a director to direct it oh for the director I had uh, Robert Rodriguez Robert Rodriguez another person who does interesting really well and camp 
Mm-hmm. What about you, Sam? I had the Russo brothers from like uh, Avengers Civil War or Captain America Civil War and all of that. Like I, I cast the Russo brothers. I would have hired the, the Russo brothers simply because for big movies like that, they're good at handling chaos. Yeah, you're right. The Russo brothers doing superheroes and comic book stuff already. They've done comedy because they've done community and Arrested Development. I like it. Sam, how do you feel? I like it too because I, I, I think Arrested Development is like a hard show to capture and they were able to do it. Like all this, this plotline's going on. All right, cool. Then tell me who you guys have for a uh, writer or writers, excuse me. I had writers. Uh, I had I had George Miller. Oh, Mad Max. Yeah. That's an interesting pick. He would definitely simplify the story since Mad Max is essentially drive towards the left side <laughs> of the screen for an hour. Now turn around and drive towards the right side of the screen for an hour. <laughs> That is true. Did you guys know I fell asleep at the Chinese theater watching Mad Max in IMAX? <laughs> and then uh, and then I lent you the DVD, and I think you fell asleep again. I did fall asleep again when you let me borrow it. Yep. Which is a shame, because it's a really, really good movie. I'm sure there's a story in there that's good. He would nail that when he goes to the eighth dimension. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> the, writers that I, the writers that I had were Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. They wrote Deadpool. Oh! oh. Yes, definitely. Because I think they'd be able to keep the humor in it. Yeah. Not that I don't love Mad Max, because I love Mad Max. We have the Russo Brothers Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension, written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick from Deadpool, starring the incredibly handsome John Cho as Buckaroo Banzai, Robert Carlyle as Lord John Werfen slash Dr. Emilio Lizardo, Emily Browning as Penny Pretty, Anne Hathaway as New Jersey, David Tennant as Perfect Tommy, Taraji P. Henson as John Emdahl, George Takei as Professor Hakita, Michael Pena as Reno Nevada, Alec Baldwin as President Widmark, Billy Baldwin as the Secretary of Defense, Danny McBride as Rawhide, Craig Robinson as John Paca, John Big Bute as Tom Hiddleston, John C. Riley as John O'Connor. Can John C. Riley play John C. Riley? Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. And John Gomez as Jason Manzukis. And of course, Buckaroo Banzai would not be complete if we did not cast Pinky. <laughs> <laughs> Can Kevin McHale still be in his wheelchair? <laughs> yeah. I want him to be up at the top of that door and you're just seeing his face and then you cut to the back and it's just him in the wheelchair just six feet in the air. And it, like people can wonder like, you know, wait, no, I thought I heard that the guy from Glee wasn't actually in a wheelchair, but he is in Buckaroo Banzai. And then that way he doesn't get work again. And it serves him right for taking work away from handicapped actors. There you go. Because it was his fault. Yeah. That's how Hollywood works. <laughs> How dare you, Kevin McHale, desperate actor, take work away from other desperate actors. <laughs> By the time this airs, Sam and I will have already performed at Gilda's Laugh Fest in Grand Rapids, and we both did a great job. Sam, where can people find you? I'll be uh, opening for Joe DeRosa on April 21st uh, at the Pike Room inside the Crowfoot. Oh, in Pontiac, Michigan. Mm-hmm. I'm on Twitter at SG Rager and uh, on Instagram at Rager Samantha. And Rager spelled R-A-G-E-R. Mm-hmm. Please definitely check out Sam. She's super cool and super funny and I'm, I'm glad that she is my friend. Yay. So. Thank you. I'm so glad that you came back. We stole you. We stole you back. You stole me back from Sam. No! <laughs> We're coming for you next, Sam. <laughs> I'm not moving back to Tucson. 
Yeah, I don't know if you can handle the Michigan. <laughs> I, I think when we mentioned Michigan, my, my potentially going to Michigan at all to Tom A, I think she just flat out said, yeah, you'll be killed. Well, killed with kindness. My C-3PO to my R2-D2, which is a Star Wars reference, which is a movie that is just as good as Buckaroo Banzai, <laughs> is Sam Gash. And you can find Sam online at at Sam Gash, G-A-S-C-H, and find out about all the fun stuff he's doing, sketch and improv and acting stuff that he's doing. I found a picture of the two of us on the very first time that we met on the set of Jerry Springer's tabloid. And I will... I will post that picture on our Facebook group. I urge everyone to go there and check it out. It's such a fun community. I talk about it all the time. It's A lot of it is a bunch of people that I used to work with. And it's just fun getting to see them and how weird and neat and on board they are with everything. That I really love our Facebook group. And we also have our Twitter super fan and friend and uh, promoter of the show. Eileen. Her name is Eileen, or at EMW, as I know her from Pokemon Go. She is just amazing. She's supportive. And she wrote us a review on iTunes and she always sends us a positive word over Twitter. She was driving a friend of hers to a doctor's appointment and she had saved up saved up a couple episodes so she could listen in the car on the way and I was like, oh, that is the sweetest thing I've ever heard. So Eileen, thank you very much for listening to Ideal Remake. And for spreading the word and, and really giving us specific feedback. Like, that helps us out a whole lot. We're glad to know what, you know, people are liking and not liking. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And my buckaroo buddy is uh, Mike Bobbitt and he can be found on the internet. Wait, wait, wait a second before you promote me which of the uh, Hong Kong Cavaliers do I most remind you of and I want you to know that there is a correct answer I feel like I just have to call you perfect sexy sexy Michelle uh, the right answer is rawhide <laughs> but that's Danny McBride there's no one else who can ever fill that uh, that role now I consider myself the Danny McBride of Michigan that's fair I'll give that to you <laughs> wait yeah okay fair enough you can find me online at, at off the mic it's all off the mic until next time keep laughing monkey boy <laughs>